The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. I'm Dave Hawkins, and this is The Antidote. Thanks for tuning in. I've always thought that every artist would want to have that one special moment on stage. Alex Henry Foster had that on July 5th, 2019, during his show at the Festival International de Jazz de Montreal. The show was filmed and recorded and was originally set to release October 8th, 2020, his late father's birthday, but Alex decided to use the extra time the pandemic gave him to spend on the production of the recording in the concert film. This is one of the greatest live recordings I've ever heard. The album is centered around the grief Alex has had dealing with his father's death. He and I had a big talk about this release, so let's jump right into the first part of our conversation, and then we'll hear The Pain That Bonds, The Beginning Is The End, from his Standing Under Bright Lights album. It's an honor to welcome Alex Henry Foster to The Antidote. Alex, this is really great to have you here. I'm very, very happy, uh, Dave, just to, to be able to share with you and to commune like that. It's always a wonderful opportunity for me whenever I have a little time like this, you know, a little bit of an intimate moment. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, everybody on the planet must know that you've had a lot of success in the music scene. I mean, you've topped both the Billboard and iTunes charts. And the crazy part is even the critics love what you've done. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> but is that important to you? Not really. To put that in perspective, and to be quite honest, I'm very humble about that. And I'm very grateful for like, people really embracing the music and the songs. And, and for people also to be eager to not only to, to discover that kind of music, but also to, to share if they're um, either who's going to read their papers or listen to the radio shows. So I'm very, I'm very grateful. I'm very humble because for me, I'm not really in the, in the numbers game. You know, I've been, I've been there for a good amount of years now with fronting your favorite enemies before, and we all went through the same kind of pattern. So I think now it puts everything in perspective because for me, what really matters is the connection that I have with people. That's really what uh, holds everything together. The rest of it, is, I'm very grateful and very thankful, but, you know, this is not what I'm looking for. It's there, it's cool. You know, if it was something else, then it's the rest, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You already mentioned about fronting your favorite enemies, and then you took on this solo project. Obviously, that made for an artistic change. I mean, it really is a whole different sound. I guess the question is, has that actually changed you then as a person? To, uh, to fully understand the reason why I kind of I moved on in such a way, it's really because I wasn't a personal motion of changes. I was like going through a very intense depression and I needed to find myself back. And I think that going back to music was some sort of an accident because it was one way that I had to express myself. And I wasn't really thinking much, you know, about, what kind of format was it? What kind of style of music, the general, whatever. For me, it was really an outlet to express 
what I was hardly understanding. And from that point on, I just keep on going and trusting my instincts rather than going back, okay, well, you know, is it the proper format? You know, which of those 20 minute songs would be the, the single, the radio single, you know, <laughs> it's not really something, <laughs> it wasn't commercial at all. So it was really out of it, like a real personal motion that I ended up doing that. That's why for me, I'm still learning to let go because what I'm trying to understand or to, to try to comprehend that whole thing, everything goes bad because then you're trying to put ambition in all the songs and you're trying to, you know, to reform and reshape. So that was a lot of what Your Favorite Enemies was about at the end. Even though the songs were amazing and I really liked it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with it. But I had that consciousness of what it meant to be in the music business. Mm -hmm. Rather than this project is something so personal, so intimate that I don't, I don't have to really think about it or it's not a concern anymore. It's really the pure let go and the total freedom that I, that I decided to embrace at that point in my life that make all the difference in the world, you know? Do you think that's due to the length of time that you've been in the music scene? Because I've talked to other artists and of course they've always expressed that their songs reveal how they feel emotionally at that moment. Mm -hmm. But they also get into the point that they really get less and less concerned with what the public or the critics are thinking about it and just wanting to do it more for themselves and hopefully people will follow along with them. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think where I was, you know, I was very um, troubled inside. It was very difficult for me to keep on going because there's so much you can deny and hide as you go. And I think I was to keep going on like I was, I think it was very unhealthy and I wasn't able to, to approach that in a more uh, sensitive or in a more logical way rather than just burning to the end, you know, just for, for the sake of, ah, I need to be there for my friends and I need to, you know, I've got a responsibility or whatever. I think that now when, when I decided just to look into those emotions and to take the time to really confront what I was going through, I think that it all naturally led back to what I'm doing now. So that's why for me, it's not necessarily like something that is artistic, but it's more something that it's more emotional, more personal. And it's something that I'm still discovering. It's something that I'm still uh, allowing myself to dwell into rather than trying to control. For me, to be quite honest, it doesn't have anything to do with the music business. It doesn't have anything to do with my former band, my friend, it's really something that came naturally and all the expressions of those emotions were taking place in a very instinctive way that I wasn't able to, to take either credits for or that didn't matter if I was understanding everything that was going on at that point. And that, I think that's the most beautiful thing because I wasn't allowing myself to play with it. It was so pure that I wanted to keep it that way. But at the same time, I was allowing myself to keep on evolving through all those emotions that I was still going. It was so vivid for me. Still is. I'm still trying to, to let go as much as possible. So that's why it's very difficult for me because it's such a different vibe. It took me two years. I, I went to Tanger. <laughs> My initial plan was to go there to kind of lose myself for a bit and to look into all those emotions following my father's passing and everything. And 
I'm going to be away for two months, guys. And then it turned into like two years because I had so much baggage that I needed to, to look into. I needed time to heal and I'm still in that healing process. So that's why it's a bit different. I don't know for the others, but that's my personal experience so far.
Henry Foster's Standing Under Bright Lights release is filled with huge songs, like the eight and a half minutes, The Pain That Bonds, The Beginning Is The End, which just so happens to be one of the shorter ones. Up next, Alex gets into some of the locations he's lived in over the past few years. Well, you know, it makes me curious as to why you would choose Tangier, like why travel all the way to Morocco? Yeah, good question. I was actually my initial plan was to go to Barcelona, which is way more uh, sexy, I would say, and cool than Tanger. Because the fact is, I've been able to travel almost all over the world so far because of music, and I'm I'm, I'm one of the you know the very uh, luckiest few. But I didn't know anybody in Tanger. 
I didn't know the culture much. The only thing that I knew was the writers, the painters, and, and the, the art, artistic story, history. Mm-hmm. So I just went there because I thought, well, if I'm going to a place where I have so many friends, knowing me, I would jump right back into like actions rather than taking time to really look and reflect about what I was going through. It's, it's funny how it goes sometimes, you know, sometimes the places will choose you in a way and, and, and you will drift to a place and suddenly the environment where you, you're standing will have a great impact on you. So that's, that was exactly the process that I went through because it was very distressing at first because I didn't know anybody. <laughs> it was a complete different world. But at the same time, I was able to, to explore, to look around and to kind of get back to the foundation of what it is to be human in a way and to have like different interactions with people, with time and what really matters. So I don't think I would have been able to go that, well, I would say deep, but I don't know if I went that deep, but at least I don't think I would have been able to go through what I've been through if it wasn't for the fact that I was actually in Tangier. I would have found so many other things to do, you know, just to, to pretend that I was in motion because I, was, I would have done so many other things. But then when you're stopped, you realize that you can, you can move a lot without doing anything. So I was really in a position where I had the blessing just to, to reflect on everything and just, okay, well, to decide, do I still want to keep on going on and denying all those emotions or am I really looking into them, not knowing how long it would take what type of person I would reemerge as and all those things. So that was very um, fundamental for me. And that's the, and that, and that's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just mentioned that Tangier made a big impact on you. Yeah. What kind of an impact have you had on you now? Here you are, you've moved from Montreal to Virginia. Mm. That's got to be an entirely different kind of dynamic for you. Yeah, because before I left for... Tanger, I was living in a community and all friends, people that are sharing life together, very um, active, rich in all sorts of emotions and projects. And, and it was the first time for me in Tanger to be alone by myself and to be in a position where I needed to take a break. So when I, when I, when I came back after, I realized that I was so different than when I left that I wasn't able to, to see myself going back to that same place. It doesn't have anything to do with the other place in Montreal, but I was in a different place in my life, and I needed to keep reflecting on all those emotions and to have that time, that space to, um, to muse about it all and to keep on defining all those thoughts, all those affective sensations. So, and then I'm, I found this house in Virginia. It's a, I'm in the, the highlands, it's, it's wonderful, I'm in nature. So it's completely different from Tanger. Tanger, it's all about, life is outside. It's on the rooftops, it's very active, very loud. You're in the noise all the time. And there's, there's comfort in that kind of environment as well, especially for a person mm-hmm. like me. But being here, it's a different, different vibe. It's very peaceful. I'm on mountains, surrounded by forests and woods. It's just phenomenal how I'm able to discover another perspective about life by being here about art in a way so that's that's a complete different vibe and i'm very happy that i just like followed 
what I knew was that new path for me ahead. Because otherwise, I would have felt like um, maybe insecure or I wouldn't be able to say no, you know, because I had to say, well, to tell my friends, well, you know what, guys, I'm not coming back. And I was the one who founded that community. And mm-hmm. it was very difficult. But at the same time, I think that comes a time in your life that you need to be honest. And that, that's where I was. And I needed to take that step back or that step forward, depending on who's looking <laughs> at my step. But that was really how I felt. And now you're enjoying being a hermit in the mountains of Virginia. It's true with my two dogs. So it's a different <laughs> vibe completely. Yeah. So it's funny because a lot of my friends are talking about being like in isolation and everything. And, and within the large community and people I'm talking with, there's a lot of interactions and a lot of people are laughing. You're just like, well, we're, we feel it's so difficult to be isolated right now. And, and there you are living alone with your dogs and just like living the dream. You know, there's, you've got, You've got issues. Maybe you should go back to Tangier somehow. <laughs> it's, very, it's very funny. But it opens so many opportunities to talk and share because that's really happening, what's going on right now. And I think that when you're in a position where you can share openly about what you're going through, what you've been through, and what you're still processing in a way, so then it's good because you can bridge to other people without having like all sorts of walls or pretension you're just like well look i'm welcoming you whatever you are and that's that's very positive that's what i'm taking from that crazy time for me it's been all about the people and 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 sharing and communion and that that's really what the essence of that covid thing has been for me
silent motion through science and flares. Oh, it gets older as we fade, never as we fear. And the sun falls down from far, far distance. Through all we share, until we all go down, down, down. Kneeling for grace. Stranger. many artists aren't inclined to share the meaning of their songs. This is where Alex is different. He had this to say about Lavender Sky. It's the sensation of being rootless individuals, no matter what we do or whatever we may put our faith in. I see Lavender Sky as the acceptance of things we don't know and can't control, passing from a stranger to another. Yeah, most definitely a thoughtful songwriter. Well, maybe you can share about something else because we're here to talk about Standing Under Bright Lights, <laughs> the live recording of your show at the Festival International of the Jazz de Montreal. How did that show come about? I'm not very good at doing promotion, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we were talking about numbers at the beginning of the interview. Now you understand that <laughs> that was right. You know, it was honest. Oh, that show, that, oh, Dave, that, I think that when, when I came back from Tanger and I released Windows in the Sky and I was still very vulnerable about all those emotions and I was still very um, fragile about it all because it was about my father, all those emotions that were very, very personal because I'm someone who used to naturally keep everything hidden, you know, just as a way to protect myself or as a cop out not to, to dress some things. But I was there and I felt like I was sharing too much. I was still very, very confused about it. So when, I, when I've been invited to do that concert, for me, I wasn't really looking into going back on the road. And yeah, I felt very good where I was. I was writing music for films, and so it was very kind of quiet. I didn't want to go back to that kind of crazy world. But then I realized that it was part of that process. And my fear was that I would lose the essence of those songs by doing like repetition and rehearsals. And then you kind of lose what those songs are really about. And since it was about the little things that I kept for me about my dad and things that were very, very... Uh, intimate so i didn't know i was very very confused about it all but i kept on pressing the issue and when i decided to to do it my perception was we're going to do something completely different that i used to do and, and i was adding the element of improvisation and to be very sensitive to the emotions that were floating around whenever i was like playing those songs so those songs never had the same format even though we were like rehearsing we had like different turns and I was also kind of the maestro calling the shots. So that was another thing that I needed to be really into the moment and the musicians needed to be in the moment as well, because if, if you're becoming too ambitious and then it turns out to be uh, something that it's not, then it's going to be a complete disaster. That for me was very um, liberating to go that way. And that's why that concert is so unique. It was supposed to be a one-off night. I wasn't supposed to do another show. So I didn't have the pressure to impress. I didn't have the feeling, oh, I don't want to fail anybody. It wasn't part of the sensations that I was dealing with. Because in the past, it was always that same for me. The insecurity, oh, I really want the people to get what I'm doing and I realized I was very, very insecure and my fear of rejection was taking a lot of place in my life. But for that moment, I was somewhere else and it was really about living a moment and sharing with the people and to be completely in a pure moment of abandonment to the emotions that were taking place, whatever they would be at that very moment. So that's why it's a very special project. I think that that's the purest form they would have because they were leading the show and I was only within the moment. The spirit was like leading the whole thing. So that's why it's very different than whatever I did before and what I'm now doing when I'm on tour and because I kept on going after that moment. I can't imagine when you said you would have a lack of pressure by performing this way. That's wild because here you are, you're doing a live recording of the show and you only have one chance to make it sound right that would have been the ultimate for pressure for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we haven't spoke before the show then. 
(laughs) (laughs) The truth is, if I'm very honest, I didn't know the concert would be recorded that way. I I wasn't looking to release a live album after, because for me, that was it. That was, the circle was complete in a way. So that's, that's why I guess I wasn't feeling any, any form of pressure. If someone would have told me, well, we're going to do this and you're going to be recorded and everything. I think I would have been too self-conscious to actually let go like I did. And I think that's the real blessing of having those tapes those files now, I should say. <laughs> yes. Because I, I wasn't thinking about it. Because for me, that was it. And there's a real freedom in being at peace with a conclusion in a way. But I, I didn't realize that at that moment would be the beginning of something else. But for me, that's why I was free. That's why I, I didn't feel any kind of pressure. The only thing I wanted was to honor my father's passing in front of family and friends and, and to be as honest as I could possibly be at that very moment in my life. That was the only thing that mattered. So, so that's, that's why I, I didn't feel any pressure. But haven't you told me that, oh, yeah, you go, we're going to do this and this? It would have been a real tragedy. I would have collapsed. <laughs> I would have collapsed. I'm, just, I'm, I'm so thankful nobody, nobody told me. <laughs> they had plans. <laughs> Hey, this is Alex Henry Foster, and you just discovered the antidote. Well, as most of you will have realized, it's been a very much better day today in the south of England than it has been for quite some time. The reason being a ridge of high pressure, which is shown here on the six o'clock chart.
That was Winter is Coming In from Standing Under Bright Lights. The song has this superb line, always looking for new possible ways to avoid the shades of my pale shadowing reflection, confused with lights, 
confessing pieces of my everlasting sorrows. That's brilliant, and it's honest. Well, tonight we've only heard part of the story from Alex. The second installment of the Antidotes feature on Alex Henry Foster comes next week. And then you'll have the chance to hear the longest song I've ever been able to squeeze into this show. All right, back to being serious. Alex shares about dealing with leaving the past behind before we hear the song, The Love That Moves, The End Is Beginning. Enjoy this, and I'll see you again next week. We should bring people up to date on what we're talking about. Windows in the Sky and, of course, the live version, Standing Under Bright Lights, was dealing with your father's death. Mm-hmm. I know that people deal with grief differently. You know, some people withdraw, some go into denial, and others may drown themselves in work. But it seems like you've handled your father's passing by wanting to immortalize him in your music. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a part of that, that it's true. Because the reality was, I was so much into my things at the time that it took me some time to really face those emotions until I went to Tanger, which is like maybe a two-year span between the two, is passing, and then me having, okay, now I need to look into it. Because it was a very conflictual relationship. I had a lot of admiration for him. I think that was the same thing for, for him towards me, but it was very difficult, and I never understood why. And it's taking some time apart that I realized that at some point in our lives, we face the same issues, depression, things like that. My dad, for a long time before he discovered Christ, he was like completely lost. So it was difficult for me to, to understand because we never had that talk that I was like craving to have with him. And even to his deathbed, I was like trying to understand. And, and the only thing that he kept telling me was like, you need to leave the past behind. There's no answers I'll give you that will satisfy you know, what you're looking for. You need to embrace life. And that was very frustrating at the time because I was like, you should have left something for me to grasp on and to understand and to know why. There was so many blanks. And and that was very powerful at one point. He told me, he said, you know, Alex, I'm very sad because you're not afraid to die, but you're frightened to live. You Hmm. need to live. Leave the past behind. You need to live. And as much as it broke my heart at that very moment because I was looking for something else, but the answer was right in front of me. And what he was telling me was exactly what I needed to hear because that, that's really what it was. But it took me some time to figure things out and to be honest with myself. Because the, 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 first, the beginning of that process in Tanger was I was like filled with frustrations and anger and violence. But it was something that I wasn't able to comprehend because I was suddenly letting everything out at the same time. All the things that I, that I kept on hiding, all the things that I could, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into it later. But then suddenly everything went out at the same time. And that was very, very confusing for me. But as I kept on going, then I was able to, okay, well, this is this. And, and I had to let go of many things that I would never, I'll never be able to understand things that I'll never be able to, to comprehend. But what really mattered was those little elements of relationship that I had with him that made me in many ways. 
then it came a little bit more clear. And I, I, that clarity allowed me to, to write in a different way, to express myself in a different way, and to start that process that is to, to embrace life and to live. Because Windows in the Sky is very immersive. It's about the first step of grieving. But standing on a bright light is the celebration of life through those same songs, but from another angle. When you, when you look at it, you can see that there was life, but I needed to nurture those emotions and grow through them as much as those emotions would grow through me. So that's why it's a strange kind of process, <laughs> but it's really what happened. So, so that's why it's very interesting for me to keep on talking about that because I'm still discovering so much about it. I'm still puzzled about so many things. That is grief, that is life, and I'm, I'm still discovering.
Windows in the sky Windows in the sky